Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions, but that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform, or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. So we're going to talk about some success strategies for 2023. And so I want to talk about kind of six or seven kind of key themes of things that you could do in order to really galvanize your business and possibly get you new followers, get you new clients, learn new things, et cetera. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are in a very changing environment right now, a very, very fluid, creative industry, professional environment. There's a lot of things happening. You know, AI. AI is the big gorilla in the room, the big elephant in the room. AI is exploding on the scene. And every day you turn around, there's a new app or a new functionality or a new thing that was created by AI. So the dawn of AI is one of those things that for us as creatives is something we really, really got to pay attention to. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So there's financial kind of news, which is looming over industry right now. There's a, you know, inflation still isn't completely under control. There are tech layoffs going on. Those have eased a bit now. And actually some of the tech companies are starting to rehire after that huge kind of haircut that people experienced in the tech industry. There's also the threat of recession that's possibly coming in the heels of inflation. And a lot of companies are watching their pennies because of that uncertainty in the economy. And the market is seems to be more and more flooded with creative people, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of surface some of these key success strategies today is there are a lot more creatives and there's a lot more competition out there, a lot more need to differentiate yourself. And there's, of course, the commoditization of design, and that's kind of linked to AI to an extent, but the need for creative in the world and with companies is bigger than it has ever been, but that has also created a level of competition and downward pricing pressure in the design world globally. So those are some of the threats that are going on that I want to kind of surface with you guys. We're going to talk about some strategies. The first thing is we have to adapt because of this constantly changing environment. We cannot stay static. We cannot rest on our laurels and say what we know is what's going to carry us through to the future or you know, give us legs to have a successful business. We always have to be kind of reassessing and adapting and diversifying what we do. And this is definitely one of those things that is you know, AI related. 
And so AI, basically, all the apps that are emerging in AI, they are the new Photoshop and Illustrator, right? When desktop publishing kind of blew onto the scene 25, 30 years ago, it upended the print and the advertising and marketing industries, and everybody had to learn the new apps. And it changed everything. And we are at one of those inflection points right now with AI. And instead of bristling and being frightened and being worried that our clients won't need us anymore, my answer to that is no. They will still need us because clients aren't going to learn all these AI apps. They're not going to know exactly the best thing to use to get the best result they want and the speed that they want. They're going to come to the creative people who are up on all that stuff and know how to use it all. It's not going to replace us. It's just replacing our core skill set or how we have to diversify and adapt our skill sets to address these new needs in the market. Just like in desktop publishing, it used to be, you know, that you had to set type and use waxers and linotype and lay things out on grid paper. And you had to, you know, create stats in order to do photography and things like this. I know I'm totally dating myself. But when desktop publishing and Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign and Quark Express came around, it changed everything. And suddenly everything could be done so much easier and so many more things could be done. That's the point that I really want to make is that there's so many more things are possible now. And so that's one of those things that's just kind of like surprising as AI makes entree into this, the world, but that we're going to have to learn that we're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to see what it can help us do and see what it can bring to our industry. And so we are the people who are going to be using those tools, not our clients. Our clients may play around with it like they used to play around with Microsoft Paint, right? And create terrible things. If they don't know how to run perfect prompts, if they don't know how to you know, get out of AI what they need, we are the people who are going to do that. So generative AI, you know, there's stable diffusion. There's all sorts of, you know, kind of AI around writing now. There's ChatGPT. I personally pay for ChatGPT so I can get ChatGPT4. If you don't, it's the best $20 you will spend every month. I tell you that. There's Claude AI, which I'm hearing really great things about. It's easier to get it to mimic your tone of voice. I haven't been playing with Claude yet, so I haven't discovered that for myself, but that's kind of my next step. And there's Bard, there's Jasper, there's Quillbot, there's Phrase.io for SEO, copy that ranks with SEO. There's all sorts of video editing AI. There's Opus Pro, which takes long form video and chops it up into little short form videos automatically. And it does a really great job of it. There's an app called Descript, which you can edit audio or you can edit video from editing the text. So you just edit text like in a Word document and it actually does that and it executes it in audio and video, which is great. There's Detangle. Detangle summarizes text and audio and video for you. It's just like insane how many apps there are. And just like the desktop publishing explosion, there were 20 apps that you know came out and everyone was fighting for dominance. And yeah, Adobe kind of won and Quark won for a period of time before Adobe launched in design. And then the field narrowed over time. So we're in that place where there's 10 million apps and we're going to have to learn what they all do. But this field will narrow over time. 
And we have to be at the forefront of that. So we really have to stay current and we have to embrace AI. That's the kind of key thing. We have to embrace it and we have to stay current. So we need to self-educate. We have to read up. We have to go on YouTube and go to live streams and you know, pay attention and get the new news, get the new trends. And what I would recommend that you do, and this is a kind of a success hack, is that you should really schedule time on your calendar for input, for learning, for reading. There's a new book that I'm reading on coaching, which I is really great. And what I'm doing is I'm dropping like two hours of meeting time into my schedule every week. So I make time to read that book. And so that's one of those things that if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. So read industry blogs, go to live streams, read ebooks, read newsletters, read, in my case, real physical books, and continue to stay current, continue to self-educate. And that is one of those major success tactics that I recommend that you guys really put at the top of your radar. and. AI is the very top of that. So if you're going to start someplace in re-educating yourself or continuing to educate yourself, I would start there with AI. All right, moving on. So another thing that I've been paying attention to it, which is that brand storytelling is kind of taking on a much more important life and cadence in branding. And I think that in a very crowded marketplace for companies that are competing with each other, as well as, and this is the point that I'm going to be getting to, us creative professionals competing with each other in our broadening environment, we have to learn how to create compelling stories that are based in reality and create narratives so people can differentiate one from another, one company from another, one creative from another. And as we learn how to build and tell stories for our clients, what we really have to do is we have to kind of dig in and learn to craft what is our story? What is the thing that is going to differentiate us? How do we go to market in a really authentic and transparent way where we're telling our own story? Now, a couple brands that have done this, I think, really well is there's a company called, I know this is kind of small, but Death Wish Coffee. And coffee, as you know, is absolutely massively competitive market. And it's really hard to carve out any kind of space in the coffee industry. And so, you know, they're dominated by Pete's and Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, obviously. And this little small coffee brand has done an amazing job of building an identity around the story is that it's the world's strongest coffee. It is Death Wish coffee, right? So through clever storytelling, through activating you know, kind of that story, they've developed a really loyal following customers who know what they want. And what they want is super high octane coffee. And their branding and also their audacity in how they've gone to market has been really effective. And so much so that they actually won a competition to have a Super Bowl ad and all on the power of their story. So there's a lot of you know, kind of recognition that can come from creating a great story, not only in your success with your consumers, but also success in how you're able to market yourself. There's another really cool example, and this is really hard to see, I know, 
This is Hewitt, H-I-U-T, denim company. And it's a Welsh denim brand. And this town of Cardigan in Wales used to create a whole lot of denim. They had a huge history in creating denim like years and years and years ago. And then that industry kind of tanked. And so the Hewitt, I'll call it Hyut, Hyut. I don't really know how to pronounce it, to be honest with you. So they built their story all around the people and the history of creating denim in their town. And they've revived their story through telling the story of craftsmanship and history. And they have hang tags that have like all sorts of history on it. Their website is all kind of based in history. And they help you connect with the people who are actually making their jeans, which is really cool. So they kind of bring the humanity and the people into the denim production and they bring the town into it. They bring the history into it, the whole story. And so kind of capturing that story and individualizing it and bringing it back to true reality and humanity is what really makes it resonate with people. And that's the kind of antenna that we have to have up. Now, how do we do that for ourselves? So this is, you know, this is just a little thing I just wanted to share, but my family the Van Dusen family actually goes way back. Like my first ancestor came to the United States in 1623, which was when it was New Amsterdam. The Indians were still on Manhattan. And so the New York Times did a story on my family about the Van Dusens of New Amsterdam. And it's because there's so much history of my family. And so because I actually learned a ton when the New York Times did this story and they created an interactive like map of, I, I found out I was related to FDR and like all this crazy cool stuff. But so I had decided to take that and adopt it. And so I tell this story on my website. My agency name is called Verhal, Verhal Brand Design. And Verhal means story in Dutch. And so that has a meaning for me because of my Dutch heritage and the history of my family in this country. And so I have a little page on my website where I tell the story of what is Verhal and where that comes from and why it's called that. And it's a conversation point when I talk to clients, and it also is something that it's a hard to pronounce word, so it becomes, becomes kind of fun, you know, when I'm doing podcast interviews or uh, people are talking about my company, that it creates a conversation point. And that's the sort of thing that we as creatives want to start to think about for ourselves. What is our story? Where are we from? What are we passionate about? Another thing that I talk about a lot when I do lives and stuff like that is that I was trained as a painter, right? So I actually have my master's in painting. I never trained in design. I don't have a degree in design. I learned design on the job, literally. And so that is something that I tell that story about myself because it resonates with a lot of creative people who are multi-creative or who are fine artists who are trying to find their way in the world and a way to make a living that is you know, lucrative and maybe a little less of a struggle than being a purely fine artist, which is a tough road to hoe, as we all know. And so I tell that story. That's also part of kind of my storytelling. So think about for you, what is your differentiation? What is your story? And like Laura Acosta, I'll out the fact that she is a coaching client of mine, and she was telling me her story of coming from Colombia and coming to the United States and how she's, you know, kind of making her life here as a designer after having a long successful history of being a designer in Colombia. 
and what a struggle and kind of a transition that is. And there's a huge story in there that I think Laura can craft and kind of embrace and tell. And it's going to differentiate her when she presents herself to the industry and to interviews and things like that. Those are the sorts of things that we want to embrace and we want to do. Email's not dead. And I know you guys know that. You probably subscribe to a lot of newsletters. And you probably get many more, like me, you get many hundreds more emails than you want a day. But here's the reality about email. There's a lot of people who are right here in chat who have probably been thinking about starting an email list. Like, would this benefit me? And I can tell you that the answer to that question is yes. Even if you're not planning on publishing a newsletter or like putting out an email every day, Building an email list is something that you should do for yourself. Why? It's because it's real estate that you own. There's only two pieces of digital professional real estate that we own that isn't owned by some social media platform or some other SaaS product. It is our website. We own that. And our email list. That's it. Really, basically, it comes down to that. And so you may have a website. And if you don't have a website, you should get a website. I mean, also a lot of creators have a, link, a LinkedIn profile and they put their portfolio on Behance, but they don't have a website. And I would recommend that you get a website so you can have a place to put curated content, blogs, create backlinks, create some SEO for yourself, have a place to put your portfolio that you own, have an about page where you can really tell your brand story in a way that they don't let you or it doesn't really work on LinkedIn or it doesn't really work and on other social platforms, you have a longer form place to tell your story and create differentiation for yourself. So don't be afraid of email. Like you can use it to just basically keep your market, your followers, the people that you know, informed. And so it's really easy to get started. There's two major platforms that I would recommend, and I've been on both of them. I was on MailChimp and now I'm on ConvertKit. But you can get free accounts on MailChimp and the first 500 subscribers are free. And on a ConvertKit, you get twice as many. You get a thousand that are for free. I actually left MailChimp because they kind of nickel and dime you in terms of how much they charge you when your subscribers go up. And ConvertKit doesn't do that as much. And also the functionality of ConvertKit is much better, in my opinion, for all the stuff when it comes to email automation and stuff like that. MailChimp has a better platform for designing your emails, meaning their builder for design is better. But because email, it goes through a million different platforms, million mobile devices, million tablets, million different laptops and desktops and stuff like that. The simpler you keep the design of your emails, the better off you're going to be anyway. So ConvertKit, MailChimp, get a free account and then take your first easy step, right? Your first easy step is to curate and publish, like curate some tools, some books that you like, some resources, some articles that you've read, just curate them, like put them in an email and send them out to people. And what it does is it will start to position you as a reporter, as someone who's paying attention and people will appreciate the curation of you're getting rid of the 99% of the crap that's on the web and serving up just the kind of key books, articles, resources that you think are valuable. And your opinion matters, okay? That's something I want to get across to you. Your opinion matters. You will become known as a knowledgeable insider. 
And I'm saying that instead of expert, right? Expert has like a whole lot of baggage to it these days. I think that when you're starting off, being a knowledgeable insider into our industry is the place where you want to position yourself. Do a monthly newsletter that's nothing but curated content and just send it out to people. Your list will start very small, but it will get bigger over time. And here is the very next easy step for the list starter. Create a one-page checklist, a one-page checklist as a lead magnet. And then you put it on your website on a pop-up. So you have a pop-up on your homepage that asks people for the email address and offers them the lead magnet. And then when they give their email address, they get to download the checklist. It's the simplest way to kind of tiptoe your way into starting to build a list. And then you also want to post a link to that lead magnet on every single social post that you do. So when you post on LinkedIn, when you post on Twitter X, when you post on Facebook, have a little footer at the bottom, especially on LinkedIn, where it's like your name, a little photo of you. Hey, you want this free offer, cool checklist? Put the link in there. And then people will go to it. They will, everyone wants something for free if it's of real value. And it's an easy way to get started building a list. You can have a five person email list. It doesn't matter. It's going to grow over time. But what it does is it starts building that muscle in you, that ability to think in a way of creating content, curating content, and becoming a knowledgeable reporter insider for your industry. And it will differentiate you from the rest of the competition of the creative professionals out there. And then as you get stronger, more adept, more comfortable, maybe you start writing some original stuff, you can build over time. You don't have to like go, oh, I have to do this huge newsletter with a thought piece and like 10 million videos and audios and resources and all this stuff. No. When I started my newsletter, it was like one 200 word paragraph. And then I was promoting one of my videos. That was like all I did. And over time it grew and grew and grew and grew. And so tiptoe into it. Okay. And then the next thing is you want to automate it. And this is kind of the next step. The next step is email automation, where someone downloads your lead magnet, they join your website, and ConvertKit is really great for this because their automation builder is really intuitive and it's really easy. MailChimp's is kind of the same. I find their interface a little harder, but so, or convoluted anyway. So you create an automated welcome sequence, like just like three emails. So after you get their email address, they get the download. And then over a period of three or five days or two weeks, they get two or three emails that introduce them to everything that you offer. Maybe you're sharing, you're like, this is my Behance portfolio. Maybe this is my about page. This is, you know, some other article. And you just start to get comfortable with being able to communicate regularly with the people who have given you this email address. It's automated though. That's the cool thing. You don't have to think, oh, I got a new subscriber, so I got to send them these three emails. It's like, you can set it up so they sign up for your list. Two days later, they get this automated email. Three days after that, they get this other one. So let's talk about the art of collaborative promotion. This is a really important one. And what this is, is it's leveraging the audience of others. So as you're building your own audience, as you, you have followers, you have people who, you know, who have connected with you on LinkedIn, you have a network, whether you know it or not. And as you build your email list, you'll have a little bit of a network there as well. 
And so what you want to do is you want to partner with non-competing business partners or freelancers or colleagues. For instance, if you're a graphic designer, maybe you partner with an audio person or you partner with a a UX UI person or someone who's non-directly competing with you and then get together with them and then create something that you both have a part in, right? So that's mutually beneficial. You team up, say a graphic designer teams up with a copywriter and they create a, you know, a branding guidebook, three page, five page, you know, kind of quick survey of a branding guidebook. And then here's the thing, you both promote it. So you promote it to each of your own audiences. So they are promoting it and your name is getting out there because both your names are on the thing and you're promoting it to your audience or your followers or posting it on social media and they are benefiting because their name is attached to it. So you start leveraging in a very easy way the audiences of others and you're offering real extra value to your respective audiences. Or you can just promote someone else's thing to kind of get this going. I do this a lot. And actually, I just recently, you know, had Ian Padgett on to do a live stream about his new book, Make a Living Designing Logos. And he is a friend. He's been on my podcast. I've been on his podcast. And I knew he was launching this book. And I thought, I'm going to help him out. So I thought, I'm going to have him on my show and expose him to my YouTube subscribers. And it was really great. And he was coming close to hitting his goal on getting people to sign up for the book. And he like knocked his goal out like two or three times over, over the next coming weeks. So I helped him over a hump. And, you know, he now, when I go to, you know, talk about Bonfire in the next month of the show, he's going to help me expose his audience, his Logo Geek Facebook group to Bonfire for me. So it's a mutual beneficial relationship. Also, I just did another live with Daniel Scott, who I love, who launched a new course for Figma. And so I had him on the show and we were both talking about Figma as well. So same kind of thing. And then the next thing is partnerships. And this is part of the collaborative promotion thing, but it's slightly different. So it's project-based collaborations. So you engage in short-term project-based collaborations. So you may have a graphic designer in New York, and then you have a marketer in London, and you have a copywriter in Sydney. And then you are drawing from diverse perspectives to do projects with each other. And the person who gets the project might bring in a couple other people. And the good thing about this, if you get a project, you find a way to bring in other people, they eventually are going to get a project and they're going to want to bring you in. So in a way, it increases your new business funnel by adding people to that open awareness top of the funnel where the opportunities come in. And that's a multiplication that is a massive success amplifier for creative people if they learn to leverage these sorts of partners or project-based collaborations. And there's a really easy way to get started with this, and I'm going to share a little bit about this a little bit later, but mastermind groups are one of those places that are incredible for being able to very quickly make meaningful network relationships and friendships and partnerships to make these sort of things happen without having to hunt down you know, brand new people on LinkedIn or something like that. The next thing you want to do is you want to start engaging. And this this is a nuance. This is a nuance that is a distinction that I want to impress upon you guys is really, really important. 
it's really easy to connect with people. Connect on LinkedIn. It's really easy to subscribe on YouTube. It's really easy to follow. And people do that to us. They subscribe, they follow, they connect with us. And these numbers are meaningless. They're meaningless unless you actually start engaging with people. They're vanity metrics. How many followers do you have? How many subscribers you have? Unless you're actually engaging with them. And so you want to start to systematize how you engage with people. And again, it's like, if you don't calendarize it, it doesn't get done. So calendarize like an hour, twice a week, where it's an engagement campaign. You're basically building and scheduling and calendarizing engagement as part of your activity, where just like a marketing plan, just like a content marketing plan, you are basically mapping out how you're going to start communicating with people. You're going to start commenting. You're going to start tagging people in the comments and kind of inviting them into actual conversations because that's where real relationships happen. That's where real conversations really start to happen. That's where you birth these collaborative partnerships. So an easy way is to do it on LinkedIn, right? So if you post something on LinkedIn, in the very first comment after you post it, you tag three people and you say, I really love this article that I found on Forbes. I'd love to know what you think of it. Tag, 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 three different people. But you have to make sure that they're people who really you think would be interested in your article or interested in your point of view and you're interested in their point of view. Or you want to meet them and you're curious about them and you think that it would be great to start a conversation with them. Don't tag bomb people. Don't tag 50 people or 10 people. Just a couple, one, two, three, right? Make it a real conversation. It's an easy way to get started. Then you can also participate in other online groups like Reddit or Discord communities are also great where potential clients might hang out in particular Discord communities. If you're looking into a particular industry, maybe you're thinking about the real estate industry or you're thinking about the sportswear industry or the surfing industry, and you want to start kind of networking and hanging out and making relationships with people who could become potential clients in a interest-level-based Discord community. And Reddit, obviously, does that too. And the next thing is that you can, you know, the next tactic is that you can attend industry events, whether they're in-person or virtual conferences, seminars, webinars, and engage in the comments with the person who's presenting, ask questions, right? Like you guys are doing right now. I remember people who ask questions in my YouTube lives. Like when people show up regularly to my lives and ask good questions, I remember your name. I remember who you are. And that matters. Oh, I also wanted to mention was that I don't know if any of you are going to the Adobe Max conference, but in LA in October, middle of October 10th through the 12th is the Adobe Max conference in LA. I'm going for the very first time this year. I'm going to be there. I'd love to meet any of you. If you guys want to come hang out and go to the Adobe Max conference with me and talk about some of this stuff and engage and, you know, actually press the flesh, that would be great. Those are the sorts of events where you can actually start building true, meaningful relationships. Now, the other thing, and this is the third tactic that I wanted to talk about in terms of engaging, and that is don't turn your nose up at local. Like everyone thinks about like, how do I get clients from the internet? How do I get clients in other countries? How do I think about getting clients like within a mile of where you live? Don't underestimate local. There are meetups, there are community events, there are community Facebook groups, 
There are prospective clients in every store, in every restaurant, and every place that you walk into. And if you have a local chamber of commerce, I highly recommend that you join it. When I first started my agency, and I was like coming out of corporate and I didn't know anybody who were small, medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. I joined my local chamber of commerce and I met a web developer who turned into a connection and he actually brought me into a brand identity project for a local city township later on. And then I made connections who I got, you know, I got consulting gigs with. And so think local originally. Don't, you don't have to think about, you know, like, I'm in New York and I want to get clients in Sydney and I want to get clients in Berlin. Like, think about what is local if you're just starting off. Now, this is another big topic that I want to talk about. Data-driven decisions. Now, creatives, we have a tendency to like get driven by our intuition, right? By our creativity, our intuition. And we think that, you know, our gut feelings are the most important thing. We don't have a tendency to drive our decision-making around data analysis as much as people who are more, what is it, left brain, right brain, I always get confused. And so you want to make informed choices just like your clients make informed choices on sales and social media campaigns and advertising. You want to make informed choices about what you do. And here's some of the tactics that you can use as a success strategy for yourself You want to track your key performance metrics, your KPIs, right? Everyone knows that term. I want you to understand Google has changed its analytics platform. When you have a website, Google went from, I forget the names of them, sorry, but it was Google Analytics and now it's GA4. And so, or GA, I know that it's changed and I use it all the time, but I can't remember the nomenclature. Anyway, Google Analytics completely changed over this year and the whole thing like got wiped clean and everything got ported over to a new platform. And it's much more robust and it does much more things, but you don't have to learn it soup to nuts. You can just learn the real basics of like, here's my website. Here's where traffic comes from. These are the sources of traffic, comes from LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and they come to, and then you can tell what page people are coming to. Are they coming to your lead magnet page mostly? And then they're getting it and then they're leaving, they're bouncing. Are they coming to your homepage? And then they go to the lead magnet page. Like knowing what the behavior is of what people do when they come to your site is critically important. You can make really informed data-driven decisions about your site. The other thing is that you can see where people are coming from. You can tell where in the world they are, their age, their gender. Google knows everything about everybody. And so you can see, oh, I'm getting tons of traffic from YouTube and I'm getting zero traffic from Twitter. This is my case. In fact, I got tons of traffic to my website from YouTube and I got zero from Twitter, which was one of the reasons why I sunsetted that platform because it was not performing for me and it was a data-driven decision. So those are the sorts, and I had been beating a dead horse for a little while on Twitter, repurposing content there, and it was not getting me anywhere. So it was like, why do it? So I sunsetted the platform and it was a data-driven decision. So you got to do that for yourselves. You can't you know, operate on gut feelings. So get comfortable with looking at numbers, like how many likes, how many follows, how many impressions did you get on your LinkedIn posts? LinkedIn shows you all these metrics too, right? You can see how, you know, if there were comments on it, 
Yes. You can see how many exposures it got. You can look on the analytics and find out, did the algorithm on LinkedIn happen to like this and they distribute it and it got, you know, a thousand impressions or did it get a hundred? Did it get 50? And then you start paying attention to like, oh, my posts that are about X or my posts that are linked for Forbes articles or my posts that are carousels, my posts that are my portfolio materials, those are the ones that I always perform. Got to do more of that. So make data-driven decisions, not just decisions based on what you like or what your gut says. Another tactic with data-driven decisions is A-B testing. Now, big companies do this a lot, but we don't tend to do it for ourselves that often. And there's a lot of people that don't. And so A-B testing is when you put out two versions of a design of something, and then you get some feedback on it about which one is you know, more successful. Companies do it in user research with big focus groups when they're launching a new brand or a new brand identity. But little companies can also do that So there's all these apps on here like Google Optimize. Adobe Target is a really great one. There's Zoho, there's Optimizely, there's Convert. There's all these different apps that help you A-B test things. And there's also all sorts of social platforms that are now building A-B testing into their functionality. So if you get TubeBuddy, which is a plugin for YouTube, you can A-B test thumbnails, meaning you create two different thumbnails and then you upload them both. YouTube runs them both, and then it gives you data around which one was more successful. And then you realize, oh, when I put my face on my thumbnails, they do better. When I don't put my face on the thumbnails, they do better. Or I use gigantic text, or I use a big question mark, or I put a giant emoji on it. You start to learn through data by A-B testing. And you can do that with emails too. So ConvertKit. ConvertKit is awesome because it allows you to A-B test email subject lines. So you can write two different subject lines for an email and ask it to A-B test it. So it starts sending out the emails. And then as the one with the one subject line gets opened more, it starts to register that. And then it goes, okay, this subject line is the best. We're going to run all the rest of them with this subject line. And you learn through doing that, what subject lines really work for you when your emails are not. It's data-driven decision-making. And then customer feedback loops. So You want to listen, right? This is part of the engagement part is that you really want to listen to the feedback that you're getting from your clients, from your audience, from your followers. One of the things that I did very early on in my YouTube channel was that for the first three or four years, I answered every single comment that I got. So I answered probably 10,000 comments in my first three years of having my YouTube channel. And I asked people what they liked, what they didn't like. I listened to their comments. I paid attention. And I adjusted what I was doing based on the feedback that I was getting from people. There are online surveys, services like SurveyMonkey and Google Forms. You can do one-on-one stakeholder interviews with your clients or your customers or even your followers and find out what's working, find out what's not working. Use real-world data, whether that's quantitative data, the numbers, or qualitative data, which is the feelings, right? And make decisions based on data. Okay, now, this is one that I just threw in here very last second. The next one, which is stop whining. (laughs) This is like some tough love. Like, 
I'm hearing from a lot of people, but I can't, I don't want to, you know, I know I should do try email, but, 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 or, you know, I was going to do a website and then I couldn't decide between Squarespace and WordPress and then, and then, and then, and then no, or, you know, the other thing, here's the one I, the hearing the whining around the most, which is AI is killing our industry and I don't know what to do. And it's all our clients are going to need us anymore. And it drives me crazy because this is an opportunity for us to own it. Take the power back, right? Take the power back, learn the apps, put it into work in what you do, own it, drive it forward. Don't rest on your laurels and get run over by the Mack truck, which is coming down the highway. Like, get on it. I hear a lot of whining from people and we have to take the power back. We have to take ownership for what we're doing. And to own our careers, no one's going to give you anything on a silver platter and no one stops the world. No one stops news. No one stops technology. It's what we do with it that matters. Now, I wanted to talk about investing. And this is one of, and I'm passionate about this, one of the best success strategies you can have for 2023, which is investing in a membership mastermind community. And the benefits of masterminds are myriad. A lot of what I was sharing about in these success strategies, a lot of them link back to what you can achieve and do in masterminds, like collaborative partnerships. Again, I was saying it makes it really easy because by investing in a membership, other people are investing. And because they're investing to be there, they're serious about it and they want to make stuff happen. They want to build relationships. They want to get to know other people. They want to leverage that power of those meaningful network relationships. And it makes doing those collaborations so much easier because everyone's there for the same reason. It accelerates your learning. At the very beginning, I said adapt, right? You have to adapt. You have to continue to learn. It accelerates learning in these sorts of communities. It lights people on fire. For the whining thing, masterminds also have an incredible power in building your confidence around your own decision-making, around what you're doing, how you're leveraging what it is that you're doing. Social media, your website, what the next thing is. Is that email? Is that partnerships? A lot of people don't know which way to turn or aren't totally confident about their decisions and what they're doing in their businesses. And masterminds give you that audience to bounce important critical questions off of. And the other thing about it is that in being in them, you get exposed to other people who are doing the same things that you're doing, meaning They may be five, 10 steps ahead of you. They may already be doing tiptoeing into email and you've been thinking about it. You're not really sure exactly what the first step is to take. There's someone there who just did that, who can help you, who can recommend what the first step is. There's stuff there that you'll learn about. When I first went out on my own as a consultant, I joined a membership mastermind and I learned about all the stuff that I didn't even know existed because I'd been in corporate and agency world and managing people as an executive forever. And I didn't know anything about personal branding or content marketing. And I learned all of the stuff that was possible and how to go about it because I was exposed to people who were doing it. And I then started to mirror that behavior. And that's how I built my business. And that is what you do in these sorts of communities. And I ran a series of masterminds called the Brand Design Masters Guild. And when they ended after 12 weeks, everyone to a person was like, A, I feel so much more confident about what I'm doing right now and the decisions I'm making after having all these people to bounce it off of and to get inspired by. 
And then I also don't want this to end. So at that point, I said to myself, I'm going to start a community that's a membership mastermind that doesn't end. And that is what Bonfire is. Bonfire is a mastermind community for established creative professionals. If you're a rank beginner, just getting out of school, it's probably not the place for you. We're not going to be learning how to do design. We're going to be learning how to build businesses of design, personal brands, helping our clients, growing and prospering from a established creative professional sort of perspective. Okay. You may be mid-career pivot. You may be going from agency to corporate. You may be going corporate to agency. You may be going agency to independent. There are all sorts of pivots that are happening. You may have a 30-year career and you're, you know, you got laid off and you're not getting the interviews that you used to get. And so maybe you're going to have to go independent. Those are all the sorts of changes that happens. Bonfire is going to be a group coaching environment, and then there's going to be a number of different levels. So there's going to be live coaching and mentorship from me. There's going to be two times a month Zoom calls. There's a circle-based private community that kind of looks like a Facebook community, but it's not, and it's private, and it's gated. And also in this case for Bonfire, it's going to be full of really cool downloadable resources, checklists. The resource library is massive. I've been working on it for like four months. Then you also are going to have accountability partners in there. You know, people that you can meet and that you're connected with that you will have offline meetings with to learn more about and really build much deeper relationships. And I've also laid out the fire milestones, which is a very clear map and ordered process that you will go through in order to evaluate where you are with your brand and your business and learn and understand what it is that you need to know and learn and do to get to that next level. I'm also going to bring in some periodic expert guests. And as I said, I've built this huge resource library. It's full of all sorts of guidebooks and downloadable assets, and it aligns with those fire milestones. And then I'm also making Brand Strategy 101 available at a discount for the embers, meaning the monthly members. And then for the guild level members, Brand Strategy 101 is going to be free. So there are three different levels. There's a monthly membership level, but it's paid quarterly. There's a guild level where there's a much tighter group that meets more often. And then there is a private 101 mentorship with me, a sort of level, which is a significant investment, but I'll help you drive your business forward just one-on-one. The FIRE milestones are set up. It's an acronym. So it's foundation, ignition, reach, and expertise. And foundation is where you're building kind of those core capabilities and those core kind of infrastructure of your business. Ignition is where you're building processes and building additional infrastructure, financial, email, all that sort of stuff. Reach is where you're getting into how you're doing your marketing and how you're activating your brand. And then expertise at the end is how you're really refining developing partnerships, possibly speaking, you know, where you're taking your personal brand and your business to that next level, right? So there's kind of four different stages within Bonfire in terms of growth. The site, it's on the Circle platform, as I said, and there's a welcome kind of sequence with community guidelines and welcome videos from me and an introduction to the Fire Milestones, where all those assets are kept what the next step is, new member challenges, stuff like that. It's going to be really, really cool and excellent, vibrant group. I'm really super stoked about it. And so if you go to philipvandusen.com slash bonfire, you can learn more about it. 
the page will have a couple of videos. So I'm explaining what bonfire is and also goes into a little more depth about the fire milestones. And then it also describes what the different levels are of engagement that you can do. The doors are going to open in mid-October. And I'm really, really excited to get this thing going because I've been working on it for years since the Guild. And the concept of it, the name of it, everything. And the resources, definitely. So I'm really excited. I hope you guys will participate. And if anything, go to philipvandusen.com slash bonfire and just click the button and submit your email address because that way you'll be on my radar to communicate to as I go live. And you're not going to want to miss those opportunities in terms of learning more about it and knowing when the doors are opening and knowing when the doors are closing. So just sign up. You're not paying, you're not like actually subscribing at this point because the doors aren't open, but you're just signing up to learn more. So go check it out, read about it and shoot me a DM on LinkedIn and tell me about what you thought or the Brand Design Masters Facebook group. Let me know what you think about the Bonfire page and how I'm positioning it. I'd really love to know. I take feedback. I make data-driven decisions. So all of these success strategies that I talked about today are how Bonfire came about and how I continue to build it and refine it and make it better on everything that I do. So you guys, this has been awesome. I Man, awesome. I really appreciate you guys being here with me. So from what I shared with you in this live stream, you can tell that I'm super passionate about the power of mastermind communities. And that's because Participating in masterminds helped me break through to a whole new level of professional accomplishment at a really critical, pivotal time in my career. And masterminds also helped me build deep, meaningful network relationships and gave me the motivation and the accountability to build the personal brand and the business that I have today. So I really want to share that power with you too. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, just go to philipvandusen.com bonfire and sign up to get alerted for when we go live. Again, it's philipvandusen.com bonfire, B-O-N-F-I-R-E. And I hope to see you beside the bonfire. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.